Hello and welcome to our second Little Breakfast. My name is Clive Parnell and I'm hosting this podcast and going to be speaking to Gerald today who works as a psychologist and we're going to be looking at isolation in a crisis and we're thinking a bit about how in the West we've been so busy and as this change is happening right now uh, with COVID-19 that many of us find ourselves in isolation, in social isolation. How are we coping with that? What does that look like? We're going to be discussing that coming up in this episode. Okay, so I'm with uh, Gerald again and here for the second week of the Little Breakfast podcast. How are you doing, Gerald? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, it's a nice day out there. Are you coping okay with this different rhythm that we're in? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of settled into that now. You know, uh, I think in terms of everyday life as well as work, there's a bit of a change of pattern that everybody's really settling into. So, yeah, we're doing okay, really. And what's that about? I mean, obviously, we we're talking about. Uh, being in a crisis and last mm. week that seemed a bit more sort of frantic uh, mm. what what is what's going on there then why why did things settle a bit then you think well well i, th- I think it's because the the it was more frantic last week because um whenever we have a change of pattern and uh rhythm um generally speaking we uh we become anxious about with that and we're actually trying to find if you like a new kind of order and rhythm to life and where all the things that have been displaced will fit in yeah so um it takes time for that to happen but i think what's happening this week is people have settled more into that um as the days have gone on and so it, it, you know, there's a ca- there's a there's a bit more calm in the middle of it all. I mean, yeah. in the midst of obviously things still being dis- disturbing and concerning, but yeah, um, yeah there's a bit more settling. Um, yeah, everything's been because yeah because everything seems to be sort of thrown up in the air, and then you're sort of yeah. wondering where things are going to land, as it were. Yeah, and everybody talked about you know everybody to me has talked about the fact that it was sudden. It like it, it seemed to happen mm. really quickly. People probably the week before or two weeks before sort of knew what was coming on some level, but they didn't know when and they yeah. didn't know what that would look like. And then it seemed like the lockdown came sort of very, very quickly and it kind of knocked people uh, for a while. Yeah, that's right. The lockdown was probably a bit of a trigger, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, isolation in a crisis. We were thinking about truth in a crisis last week, and we're thinking about isolation in a crisis today. And where I want us to kind of go with this a bit is is to think about, um, I suppose, where we've come from, really. Uh, in the Western world, we've been living really busy lives, and prior to this lockdown in the UK, Life has seemed extremely busy. We've been busy in work, busy with families, busy with activities, busy on social media, lots of information coming at us. And I guess it's good for us to explore a little bit of where we've been prior to this crisis to see in terms of why we've been uh, so busy. And just before I ask you a little bit about that, Gerald, um, I was reading a, a bit in the New York Times 
um, as you do in a global uh, world that we live in now. Um, and there's a quote by a guy called Thomas Friedman who said, uh, you are never out anymore. The, the assumption now is, is that you're always in, and when you're always in, you're always on. So let me read that again, because obviously most of us are actually inside. But generally speaking, where we've been is you, you're never out anymore. The, the assumption is, is that you're always in. And when you're always in, you're always on. So when we think about the workforce and somebody's clocking into work, they used to have these cars where people clocked into work and then clocked out. It seems like the busyness of our Western culture has been such that we're that we're, we're always in and we're always on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, have you got any thoughts about that? Yeah, and I, th- I think, I think it, um, there's a thing about as well when you're always in and always on. Um, actually, without realising, there's also a lot of things to keep organised and keep managed. So, you know, your inbox, for example, needs managed and organised. Um, because there's a 24-hour access to things, um, you're always trying to keep up with information, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And work demands are not confined now to a, to a 95 yeah. um, kind of order of things as well. And this, th- there's also information, if you like, about when you are working. Mm. So I've had that with a lot of business people. Like they're, they're, um, It's like the time that they're on is noted in some way, the time that they go off is noted right. in a way that, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's like it's recorded, actually, because it's, it's, it's um, electronically recorded, those kind of times. So, um, and, and your accessibility is like never before. You are, you are accessible 24 hours a day. You know, yeah. many people on their personal phone have got their business emails on there or their business has got their and colleagues have got their text message, sorry, their, their, their mobile number, etc. So, so there's this, without realizing it, it's like subtle background. It's like a subtle background constant on, on some level. Mm. So, so where, where there was a sense in which years and years ago, you talked about technology would mean we would have more rest and relaxation. Um, in fact, People and, and therefore more, less stress. In fact, people are more stressed nowadays oh. than, than they were back then because it brings with it an instantaneous demand. Yeah, so busyness is almost seen as a sort of virtue, isn't it, in the yeah. Western culture? I and mean, why, why have we got to this position where it's almost like a great thing or a virtuous thing to be seen as busy? Mm. Yeah, it's like a badge of honour, isn't it, really? Um, to, to, to be busy. And, and I think it's a, probably a lot to do with identity. Mm. Um, so we, I suppose it's this idea that, you know, if I'm seen to be busy or I'm seen to have, you know, lots of contacts or I'm posting photographs showing what I'm doing, that somehow or other that gives me value and validity mm. in, in some way. So, there is a part of it, I think, that socially it creates a demand, but we can also create a personal demand on ourselves um, and, and expectation on ourselves um, to meet those kind of false uh, requirements to portray a particular image uh, of ourselves. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And I think some of that, you're talking a bit about identity, because when we're talking about being busy, it's not just that we're talking about people being extremely busy so that they can make lots of money commercially, although there are some people that are doing that. But there's a sort of a productivity, an identity thing where we can feel the temptation to be busy doing stuff. Um, and I, I've spoken to you a couple of times before about this, and you, you've mentioned a phrase uh, in terms of being nice and kind before. Do you, mm. do you want to explain a bit about that? Because I think that relates to identity and business, yeah. doesn't it? Well, um, what I would always say is we want to be kind, not nice. Um, nice is really more about um, saying what somebody wants to hear or, um, or, or in fact, not really being honest. Um, whereas kind is actually a loving act because it, it tells the truth in love and in, kind, you know, in kindness and gentleness, not in a kind of forceful way. And, and I always kind of use the example of um, if, if, you were, if you look, for example, on something like, say, X Factor or something like that, especially during the early stages when there's all the auditions, and there's clearly people come on who absolutely cannot sing. They, they, they can't. And then what happens is uh, the, the video of that goes viral. And I always say with that kind of thing, somebody along the line has never, somebody, somewhere along the line, uh, there's nobody's been, somebody hasn't been kind mm. and said, you cannot sing. And the, the result of that is that people then end up um, uh, being mocked, I suppose, or being made a fool of in that kind of situation. Um, so somebody has been nice in that situation. They said, for example, you're a lovely singer, but um, mm. nobody's been kind. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and if you think about nice and kind in that way, it actually, it, it, it has a powerful kind of way of playing into sort of different areas of our life, really, including towards ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think when we think uh, biblically, theologically, and um, we look at, for instance, the person of Jesus, um, he wasn't always just nice to everybody, was he? No, In the no. sense that you're describing. And he also was not, I mean, there was obviously needs everywhere and lots of people might have needed healing. And, um, and part of his it's not that he didn't care for people because I think this is, this is part of the other challenge that we've got in a crisis is that we can see lots of need and care for people, but it doesn't necessarily mean we can meet every need, does it? No, that's right. And, and in fact, in Ephesians 4.15, it speaks about speaking the truth in love. And, and I really think that that is, is actually the definition of kind, you know, to, to speak the truth in love, um, and that, and that's what you actually that 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 is obviously Jesus is is the perfect example of speaking the truth in love, because kindness actually uh, um, enriches and grows grows us as individuals, hmm. um, whereas nice actually leaves us kind of stagnant in a in a uh, kind of. Um, non-growing place in some ways you know mm. K- kindness kindness pursues our best actually yeah <clears throat> and how do we how do we develop that then if, if we've been in a busy 
productivity, evidential sort of give me the evidence of what you're doing work wise kind of culture where it could be dog eat dog. Uh, how do we how do we sort of live that out? How how do we become distinct in that way? Well, I actually think it links into actually being kind to yourself in in a lot of ways and um, loving and valuing yourself in a healthy way. You know, I mean, the the greatest commandment includes the fact that we love others as we love ourselves. And in that, coming to that place and and being able to be honest with yourself and saying living in that dog-eat-dog situation actually isn't healthy for me on so many different levels. And... um, what often is missing is within, within those environments is actually boundaries um, with people. So the work just keeps piling on the desk and the person uh, just keeps trying to get through it, get through it, get through it. But nobody is ever saying something like, if you want me to do that today, sorry, if you want me to do that, then um, it's going to be tomorrow before I can get to it because I've got all of this. Or if it's your boss who's saying it, you're saying things like, well, if you want me to do that, what do you want me to put on hold until I get that done? Look, sometimes it's just simple boundaries um, like that, in, you know, being kind to yourself and actually being kind to everybody else because I've got loads of examples of where when you start to change the pace, you help others to change the pace. Mm. Um, and it's almost like that becomes a wake-up call for everybody. Oh, we can take the pressure off a bit here just by doing this and we can be as productive or more productive as a result of that. Yeah, that's interesting. So when we're talking about uh, change of rhythm that we're facing now, you know, that's not somehow a negative thing. It's like a rhythm change can be something that is really positive and, and can change a, a culture for the better. Yeah. We often kind of think, that if I'm, say, for example, if I'm under pressure, then it's the other person's fault. Mm. But actually, there's the mix between the person who might be putting you under pressure and actually the way that we allow it because we, we, do, we don't work with boundaries yeah. um, and those kind of things. So we, we have no control over the other person, but we have control over how we deal with it and how we respond to those situations which which obviously that goes across so many different things um but if we're looking at particular with regards to this uh topic yeah just now it's also true Mm. okay so want us to think about okay where we've been we've been thinking about that rhythm and how that rhythm's changing and now we're thinking a bit about how we're in isolation i mean not everyone is in as much isolation there are obviously frontline workers and people out there doing a great job helping others um but for many who haven't experienced this kind of isolation uh, there are going to be various different things going on i mean you know probably if we had a pound for every time the word cabin fever was used in our homes mm. over the next few months we're probably fairly well off but there is a there's a change of rhythm here within the home within family dynamics within uh, marriages and I guess this change that's come about, which we haven't uh, expected, it's come about a sudden, which you mentioned earlier on, um, does bring about a variety of different kind of responses. And just before um, I hear from you on that specifically, uh, I was reading uh, in the paper just today about uh, an astronaut called Chris Hadfield. And he interestingly said that our current combination 
of something that makes you uneasy and fearful and being separate and not being able to see your normal groups of friends and family is a lot like being on a spaceship. Well, obviously, we don't know what it's like to be mm. on a spaceship, but I thought it was quite an interesting image mm-hmm. of somebody who's an astro- astronaut who has been out in that total isolation into space, just commenting on you know, this whole combination of stuff going on. So I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. unpack a bit of... You know, what, what's this isolation in the crisis sort of look like? What, what happens to us? How do we respond well, to that? Yeah, well, I think, I think actually, ultimately, with, with the isolation, um, there is either a real or a metaphoric um, barrier in some way that's preventing... It's either keeping us in, like an individual in, mm. or others out, or actually a combination of both. And... Um, Obviously, there's types of isolation that are actually, you know, um, they're, they're necessary and they're beneficial to us, like, like we have at the moment. But the impact of it is that you feel, um, you feel that barrier, right, mm. that restriction. So, um, you know, we, we were out for a walk yesterday and met, met somebody we knew and we're talking across the road, Mm. Do you know? Now, we're talking, but it's almost like, in a strange way, it was like talking through glass. Yeah. Do, do you know? Because, because it, it, it creates that un, unnatural um, distance uh, in some way. Or, or for example, um, we, we were doing our homework, home, sorry, homework, home uh, gr- group online, uh, you know, the other night with, uh, with, with Zoom. And, mm. um, you know, um, it, it's it's a kind of strange dynamic where you could be having the natural conversation in the room, and and you feel you can feel very engaged with that, and and it's great to have that. It's great to have um, this the, the this form of um, media to to do this with, but actually it, it leaves you sort of disengaged. So even mm. in a positive, you can be feeling isolated in mm. in some way. Yeah. You know. Um, so- so can I just tease that a bit that bit out there a little bit more? Um, what is it then about being connected and having social contact with people that makes a difference to us you know, psychologically, spiritually, and what is it that not having that contact does to us? I think it, it, it has a lot to do with the fact that when we are relating to somebody, we're not just relating to them with, uh, uh, audibly. We're relating to them um, with all the nonverbal stuff and, and there's things that we sense and pick up um, that are very subtle um, when we're in direct contact that actually, I think that's why I mean this glass thing's in the way. Mm. It, it's like um, we, we, we can't pick them up and sense them um, w- when we're either using, you know, video, um, uh, video calls or, or telephone, etc. There's some aspects of that that we can't pick up. And so we, still, we feel slightly diff- distant on certain levels. It's an interesting thing, actually, that um, talking to a lot of different uh, psychologists and different therapists... Um, They've, talk, they've talked about actually um, how the phone, a phone call is mm. actually, a phone call session some ways seems a bit more effective 
it with certain people than than a than a video call because there's something about the closeness of mm. hearing um, and the direct the direct um, voice to ear that seems to be a bit more connected. And so for some people, they're reporting that's more satisfactory than mm. actually on the, the video because you, you're picking up subtle senses that you don't pick up the same way. And so I think that the isolation has an impact on this holistic kind of way that we interact and relate mm. um, to each other. Yeah. And I think in terms of the isolation that we're experiencing, people will respond to that in different ways, won't they? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think um, there are a lot of people who before this crisis were were feeling lonely and Mm -hmm. there'll be many people who are are feeling lonely now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wondered if it's it's just helpful to sort of think about uh, how this works in terms of how we deal with loneliness and what is what are the spiritual growth elements in that in terms of thinking about what the Bible has to say, theology, mm. what we learn from history, you know, what's going on between feeling lonely and not pursuing solitude, which is different, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so in a way, in, I was thinking about the, in, in a way, solitude is something to the largest degree that you choose. So, um, you choose it for a purpose, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Whereas loneliness, um, it's, it can be quite involuntary in that sense, and generally, generally would be involuntary. Um, people, people it, it's actually quite a shocking uh, statistic that actually um, they, they reckon about um, a third of people in the UK would... Uh, state that they feel lonely yeah um it's actually um a large a large uh percentage of the population that would would say they experience loneliness um and the thing that's missing with loneliness um is the ability to confide in somebody and to have that trusting relationship fundamentally we all want to be known, we want to be understood, and we want to be, we want to be got. Mm. So, um, so in other words, there it's about quality, not quantity. So you don't have to have um, huge groups of friends. But if you have two, three people that you feel that you can be totally yourself with and totally, totally be accepted, it actually diminishes loneliness. And, you know, there's that classic thing about you can feel lonely in a crowd. Mm. And that's absolutely true. And the reason for it is it's because fundamentally we want to be known mm. and, uh, and, and make that deeper connection with people. Mm. That's interesting, yeah, because I, I, what I was thinking about right away when you said that was how quickly we can and we do within society distort that, don't we? You know, yeah. that desire to be known, for people to be affirmed. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole celebrity culture and mm-hmm. the influencers culture on Instagram is is really buying into that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you can have a large number of people, friends, whatever, on Facebook, um, etc. But 
actually the who knows you really yeah you know you might be your name might be known by a lot of people you might have a lot of acquaintances but the thing is we don't have in our language in in, in the english language um such a range of words for friend mm. but we so we need to add an adjective effectively to that and we have close friends we have intimate friends the friends we would share you know um deepest thoughts and feelings with and those friendships those what we would call intimate are the key friendships that actually mitigate against uh loneliness mm. from from all the research that's that's done in this that that is the key to this so if you had one or two people that you have that kind of relation with you have a greater um there's a greater chance that you will not experience loneliness on the same level yeah and in terms of thinking sort of biblically about this what you spoke about being known and that sort of jumped out at me there's obviously a big aspect in this in terms of us thinking that people think that, that the christian faith is just about knowing information it's obviously about knowing god but actually being known by him isn't it yeah, and and absolutely. that that is where i think we can find the greatest solitude as opposed to being lonely uh, absolutely and and i think i think this is the thing that um being known in my view is a is a an intrinsic part of how we're created to be um god himself the godhead is about intimate relationship and um the whole story of um from from creation all the way through is all about god um you know in the garden it was about relationship with god the the fall um happens and the whole story from then onwards is about drawing us back into that intimate relationship with god mm. and really that 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 is really what solitude is about it's the you know to me that's a that's a positive um thing to do because in in solitude it's the place where you can be quiet alone with god um uh studying his word praying um and 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 meditating on his word which is you know from a biblical perspective is about it's the the wrestling with the word um you know where we we think seriously about the what the word is saying to us and through the word of god we come to know god mm-hmm. and that draws us into that desire that we have to be known and understood um, and as we learn to know and understand him yeah so some people might be listening to this and saying that sounds great mm-hmm. we're in the middle of this crisis i do feel lonely i do feel anxious um how do i get through that and, and people listen to this maybe christians might not be christians what can knowing god do to help those feelings of loneliness of isolation of stress in the middle of this of the uncertainties that are happening i mean how does that how does it work like you've got a theory of this is what the bible says is what we've learned theologically how, how do you actually make it stick well i i think with lo- loneliness like many um maladies of life you know um the, the first thing to do with it is actually to acknowledge it mm. and to turn around and face it 
rather than avoid it. Because when you avoid it, um, it actually, so say, say for example, you avoid it by, um, I don't know, playing games on the computer or watching the TV or whatever, any of those kind of things. The minute those things switch off, the pain and the challenge of loneliness will, will, will come back up again. Hmm. So, so in other words, what we're doing is we're just kind of putting a, a temporary balm over it. The key thing would be to turn, would be actually to turn around and face it, and and then actually talk it through with God. We we have, I, I was talking about we live in a paracetamol culture. We don't like pain, and uh, you know we so we, so we avoid it. But actually, it, it's it's the truth of taking your burdens to God, cast mm. all your cares on Him, uh, burdens on Him because He cares for you. So first, of, the first thing is to take it, and and. You may kind of say, you know, at first, well, the, the ver- the, those, those verses in the scripture that would address loneliness, et cetera, you know, if you, if you go back to the back of a Gideon or the front of a Gideon's Bible and, you know, you can, you can uh, point it to verses that actually speak about that. At first, they don't necessarily go in, but this is the thing about meditating, is that it, it, the whole thing with meditating is that you actually... Um, you're thinking seriously about it. You're wrestling with it. So I feel this, but here's the truth. Mm. And and you, what we, we almost need to get past the feeling to allowing the truth to come in. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to mm. actually enable us to allow that truth to become a living reality and to come to the place where we own it. So, so, so just to clarify, another... sorry, just to clarify for the listeners that are listening, when you're talking about meditating, you're not talking about, emptying your mind and thinking no, about nothing no. are you you just want to no. clarify that just because just because it's language that's out there isn't it uh, absolutely so within christianity within the biblical perspective um meditation is not about emptying your mind it's not uh, about any kind of um uh, just complete silence if you like Meditation, from a biblical point, uh, is is actually that definition which was kind of mentioned before, which is to think seriously about something for a significant period of time until you understand it and you grasp it and you own its meaning, and then you take then then it becomes personal and it starts to live. The the, the word of God is living and it is active, and so when we turn around and look at it and we meditate upon it we're, we're being we're being active we're not being passive in, in 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 the process we are saying things like i don't understand this god teach me to understand what this means how does that apply to my situation mm. you, know, you, you know and 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 allowing the word of god to to minister to us and and to to speak deeply yeah that's really helpful because i think we can get confused about language and thinking upon what the word actually says. And we were thinking last week about truth and how, you know, there is this transformative effect of the word, isn't there? So when we read, um, you know, cast your burdens onto me, it isn't just words on a page or a nice idea that there is this transaction that can actually take place that we can actually Mm -hmm bring our burdens to God and and experience the peace of God in the midst of the storms. Yeah, and, and, and there's a, a Proverbs, 
for 2023, really, I just thought this really sort of um, just gives a nice tight understanding of this because when you do that, it leads to health Mm. and healing. And if I can just read this, it says, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight. That that's wrestling. Mm. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, life to those who find them, and healing to their flesh. Keep your heart with vigilance, far from it, for from it flows springs of life. So mm. so meditating really that's where it takes you to. It's it's a uh, it's life mm. and it's healing. Yeah. And I guess what happens is when we're in the busyness of life and um, we're doing everything on the hoof, you know, we're not really mm. going to take that on board as well, are we? Um, mm. And we need to create these rhythms in life. I guess one of the challenges when the rhythm is thrown out like it is now is that, you know, we may have had order and routine and rhythms in terms of our own spiritual growth um, as we mm. look to walk with God. Some of that stuff gets a bit uh thrown out of sync as well so it's about you were talking about a calming at the beginning trying to see what okay well how do we uh develop a a new routine like my week has changed up already and i'm having Mm -hmm. to look at where i take a day off and i guess what what we've got to be careful of is is that when the rhythm changes uh we we need to adapt with that don't we and be wise about that yeah absolutely and and um I think a situation like this that we're in just now really helps us to kind of reframe things in a way and help us to see how much when we get into a kind of a pattern and and a routine with things, how much actually we do so many things without really thinking, Mm. you know, we just, we just go with a flow, you know, it's, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the weekend, there's a pattern to all of that. And, and mm. we do, when, when we have those kind of patterns, we don't really have to think too much. No. Um, but I think with the opportunity here with this, if we, if we see it more as solitude and an opportunity to meditate as we were defining there from the biblical point of view, um, you, you can take, uh, if you like, passages of scripture that you are familiar with and actually just stop and say, what did like I know the words here, but am I really, as I was speaking last week about, do I hear it? Mm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What do I, breaking it down and saying, what does that mean? Mm. Do you know, how does that apply? And the richness in two or three lines of scripture is huge. Mm. The depth below, you know, there's, 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 you could take few words, but there's great depth below it. And when you can stop and allow yourself to really uh, consider the, the word, you, you, it, it will transform you. It will transform. It trans- transforms all, all of us. And I, I'm actually myself taking some advantage of the bits of time. I'm still um, working, but um, where, where things are down a bit in terms of uh, what's taking up, taking up my time in terms of work, in terms of work, I'm just taking time to kind of think, Think about these kind of mm. um, passages that I know and allowing them to speak freshly and more deeply to me. Mm. Yeah. So 
we're still in the middle of this sort of change. Um, we're not that far into it, really. We're in the UK. We're in lockdown. Um, so how do we? Yeah, you were mentioning a little bit there about how we can make a bit more of the most of this. That rather than feeling despair, feeling lonely and isolated in a negative way, we can turn to the word. Um, we can focus on uh, solitude as being a good thing. Any other any other advice to sort of move towards a close? Last week you gave some good practical tips: open the window and um, mm-hmm. eat healthy and what have you. Because mm-hmm. um, it yeah. can feel a little bit like we're in christmas in and around boxing day at the minute all in the house yeah. <laughs> reach for the chocolates but um yeah any other thoughts closing thoughts well, I, th- I think i think that i think that is a really that that point which i kind of mentioned last week is really important that actually you do try to maintain a similar rhythm to the one you would normally have in terms of uh, getting up and, and, and all the rest of it i also think the thing that started to stand out for me last week was people People were, uh, there was a general pattern, and you saw it in the media and everything, where people were extremely intense on the activities uh, mm. and things that they were doing um, be, due to the situation we were in. And I would say, pace yourself. Mm. You know, um, if, 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 you're, if you're keeping the children going all the time, that is also not normal. Mm. They, they need downtime as well. And, you know, Fun things actually wear thin eventually mm. as, as well. So I think it's key to factor in quiet time mm. where everybody's off doing their own thing and giving each other some space in that as well. Yeah. Um, because it's another form of keeping our heads and our minds busy. And we, and we have an opportunity to slow it down. And this morning I was kind of reminded of that story of Corrie Tem Boom where she... Um, where the the uh, prison officers uh, stopped feeding them, and she said to her sister, "What we will do with this is we will turn this into a fast to God." And I, w- I was just thinking, in our situation that we're in just now, the, the, a great thing for us to do would be to turn this into the opportunity for times of solitude alone with God. That would be that would uh, enrich us. We have an opportunity here in a sense, if we look at it that way, that we may, we, we haven't really had and we may never get again. If we, if we look at mm. it as an opportunity for, um, for growth and having that time with God that we would long for, for example, mm. um, and, 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 and enrich yourself, as well as doing things like, for example, there may be things that you've, you've wanted to do and you've never been able to get done, just use practical things or, or, or things you want to learn to to do like um, I've heard of people for example they're doing online courses to learn to play the guitar or or whatever th- th- those are all good and healthy things as well um, to, to be doing and, and um, seeing an advantage in the situation that we're in I think is really important and the last thing I would say is I talking to people who are more on the extrovert um, side of things or, or they're, they're people who love social contact what I've noticed is that for these people, they actually need um, they, they need the voice, uh, the, the, the video calling. Mm. Uh, they're using the phone, but they're not seeing the person. And for people who are very strong in social interaction with people, actually 
although it's not the, the ultimate in terms of meeting face to face, it's actually better for them to use that medium rather mm. than, than the phone call or mixing it up so mm. that they're using that as well. You know, just, just things, things like that. And I just think, yeah, big thing is slow it down a bit. Mm. Keep a rhythm. Absolutely important that you keep a rhythm. Don't turn it into Christmas holidays. Get to bed at normal times, etc. Mm. And mm. take it full advantage of your your um, your uh, hour out uh, in the fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's a really key bit of advice there, Gerald, about the pacing of things because. Um, I certainly found, you know, I've been conscious that I need to slow things down a bit myself. It's because there's so many things to do and yeah. we've been in this kind of startup type culture where everything needs to be rethought, redone. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I mean, I'm, I'm spending time setting up tripods and cameras and lighting rigs that we've never had to do before mm-hmm. to record talks. And all this stuff is, is new and it can be a little bit exciting, but it's also actually yeah. tiring as well because um, it takes a lot more energy up than we realise, I think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you think, for example, for you preaching, basically what you did, you prepared the sermon and you walked up mm. to, to the, the, the pulpit. Yeah. Now you're having to think of all these other things before you get to the point where you can actually do that, that was actually covered before and you didn't have to do anything with it. Yeah. And there's loads of those adjustments that without realising it, they do create a stress mm. that, that um, we also have to be um, aware of. Yeah. You know, it's normal, it's understandable stress, but we actually need to give ourselves time also to, to kind of settle as a result of that, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I hear a lot of people also sleep seems a bit lighter at the minute. It certainly is mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I guess it's part of this adjustment still, is it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of background processing going on and it, it's mixed with where we are right now, but not really knowing the time scale or yeah. how it's going to change, etc. And um, there, there was a lot of people talking about being calm and then having anxious bursts mm. and then calm and then anxious bursts. And some of that for a lot of people seems to have settled a bit, but we're still in very unsettled times because we we're living with an unknown yeah we don't know the timing of that so so it does affect our sleep and we might wake up and not particularly know be able to say there's anything particularly wrong but it's often this background noise that's going on and that relates to rhythm doesn't it again because it's like we're not sure how this rhythm is going to play out you know exactly okay well that's really helpful so uh, as we sort of conclude, I think we're sort of, there's a number of things there, but certainly the takeaways at the end there is just to, I think it's to trust God and, and to go a walk in step with his rhythm and to think about how, um, you know, solitude is a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Make the most of that. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us again. Um, Treat yourself to a Weetabix this week, maybe. <laughs> wild, wild. <laughs> Step out a bit and go wild with a Weetabix, yeah. Um, I, I have to clarify, I haven't had a fry-up this week, so uh, uh, so yeah. I haven't been going... Well, that's out. good. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I haven't yeah. had a couple of poached eggs, which is nice, oh, and a bagel. that yeah. sounds good. No, yeah, not for me, I can't stand eggs, but they're... Oh, right, no, yeah. I'm, I'm an eggy yeah. person. Keep uh, the protein up. 
So yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, make sure um, everyone listening uh, that you, you know, we all pace ourselves and yeah. we uh, keep considering where we're at day by day as well, isn't it? It's taking things. Deep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for joining us again, Gerald. Okay. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. 